this thing started. Yo, what up, what up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another installment of the Poet Up Podcast. It's your boy, Maul G, a.k.a. Molly Maul, a.k.a. I fades them all, a.k.a. Jordan's looking at me weird. <laughs> and we're here with... Yo, this is Jay Ward, a.k.a. Gotta Catch Them All. Oh, my God. A.k.a. <laughs> Darth Say So. <laughs> a.k.a. Harry Potter, <laughs> Black Lloyd's Matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're forgetting one very important, a.k.a. Go ahead. Yellowstone. Yellowstone. <laughs> Youth enticing ladies loving only women, sophisticated teacher of Nubian education. You're welcome. And here with us is Blues as well. <laughs> I got stuck at Black Lives Matter Harry Potter. Um, it's your boy Blues, aka once again, I'm just happy to be here uh, amongst the people. Uh, and we are sitting with none other, young brother, young Jordan Bailey, aka National Poetry Slam champion, aka I just want to rap, aka Black Boy Rage is my brand name, aka You Don't Want to See Me on the Battle Stage, aka My Locks Look Way Better Than Your Shit, aka My Dog's Got a Better Name Than Your Dog. Shouts out to Barker Lewis. You know why his name is Barker Lewis? Because my dog is winning. Right. Except when he's pissing on new carpet. This nigga. <laughs> we got our carpet clean. The next day, I come home. It is a big ass wet stain in front of the door. And he knew what he was doing. It was 4 o'clock. That's his time to go outside. We got home at 410. It's a wet spot right in front of the door. Oh. Almost threw that nigga out the window. Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, shit. So this is Pulled Up Podcast. Um, if you caught our earlier part of the pre-show, we have a bunch of liquor out on the table. We've got Uncle Nearest out here. Shouts yep. out to the Uncle Nearest brand. Uh, our, our main man, uh, Molly Ma, procured that. We got a classic Stone. Crown Royal. Uh and we got Elijah Craig mm-hmm. and some other shit. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Mitchers. Is that? Michters. Michters. Yeah, man. We don't give a batch. fuck about that. That's, but but that what we want to like talk about, <laughs> we want to talk about our guests, because you know, when we bring a guest on, we got to give them something what they're drinking. And Jordan, uh, Jordan, do you want to describe what you're drinking right now? <laughs> um, we have decided on a name. It is called the Haryukin. Um, <laughs> it's a drink. I've been drinking since college. Um, it's orange soda and four loco. Today's flavor is sour apple. Oh, it's on topic. And it is delicious. I hear all of you out there judging me. It's okay. Like, Not my even... liver will be fine. But, like... No, it won't. <laughs> Yo, dog, somewhere Furious Styles is having a conversation about this drink right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. This Four Loco is destroying the hood. And and let's and let's be clear. This is Four Loco pre... I mean, post... Uh, government, government yeah. step in because the original formula for loco. Oh, it was it would have killed you. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, would have died. I would have been out of here, bro. With <laughs> <laughs> orange soda, what man? Right. So yeah, there is an orange soda mix, and he's drinking it out of uh, basically what Jay Ward was, what Jay Ward called it a Crown Royal Solo Cup. It's all purple, though. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the Omegas. You would love this cup. <laughs> yeah. Why? Came, because Black Lives Matter. Right. right. <laughs> it came in a, a Christmas gift set of crown. Oh, that's dope. So look for it around Christmas time. Oh, wait a minute. Is that not plastic? 
No, oh, it's, it's kind of it's plastic, but it's not. It's not oh, like no, it's that's, like that's, a real cup. Yeah, that's yeah. like legit. Yeah, it's like com- like a composite kind of plastic, like the shit you could put in a dishwasher. Yeah, <laughs> and it and it goes in the dishwasher. It's the kind of cup that if you were having a party and you saw that cup in the trash can, you shut the party down <laughs> yeah. and be like, "Yo, who the fuck threw my cup away? Cup <laughs> away! Some bullshit. Bullshit." So right. we're talking All about right. poetry, Ward. What we got for Jay, uh, for Young Jordan Bailey today? Man, we got so many things to talk about. I feel like I feel like maybe where we'll start is um, the idea of um, the the idea of being willing to learn and the process that it goes to become better to strive to become better and then going from that to teaching teaching niggas on a daily which you're teaching the youth poets but also teaching by way of just dropping hot bars and hot poems in competition. Um, okay, so when it comes to, like, learning as you go, you can't just learn from who's willing to teach you. You have to be able to pick up knowledge from everything and everyone you see and then apply what's necessary to you and what's imperative to you and your art to you and your art. And as far as teaching niggas, I don't know. I just be saying shit and niggas listen. Boo to that answer. Example, Fair, example. Valid. Somebody, somebody who doesn't want to teach, um, or or is not teaching, but you're you're stepping in and saying, "I'm going to learn from this." Example. What? W- what you just said. Ex- okay. Oh. Um. Hmm. I don't know. I guess like, from me being on Slam Charlotte, I learned from every single team member. Like, and nobody necessarily like was teaching me. Because, like, y'all saw me as peers, but, like, I wasn't. But y'all saw me as peers, and, but, like, I learned just by sitting back and watching and paying attention. And you have to continue that. Like, no matter what level of poetry you think you're on, you have to be able to sit back and watch and learn to be able to pick up from what you see from everybody around you. And that's what I continued to do. Like, I learned everything I learned as a youth poet, and I know there's more to learn, but, like, the, the lessons ain't always like right here for you to learn. You have to be able to go out and seek it or find it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Did that answer suffice? Yeah. yeah. This is like a job interview, nigga. Uh, <laughs> I am proficient in Microsoft. And <laughs> so usually uh, we get a little bit farther in before we go back. So when did poetry become uh, a part of your life? When did you know that writing and even rhyming was uh, your way to express yourself creatively? Oh, if we want to go all the way back to just like rhyming, um, I know exactly when. I was seventh, it was seventh grade and Beyonce and Kanye dropped the Ego remix. Oh, and I gosh. was like, yeah. How yeah. young are you? Are you saying dripping swagoo? No, 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 Got no. you into rhyming? That was party. No. <laughs> okay. Yo, I'm saying I got a big... Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Got ego. ego. <laughs> got me into ramen. And I was like, I can rap. You're right. And Dripping then I did. Swagoo. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's swags okay. was hilarious. Classic Kanye. Oh, and yeah, then and then around the same time, uh Brave New Voices actually dropped on HBO. Then I actually went to see the Slam Charlotte Youth Slam, like all that same year. But I never really got to like poetry, poetry. I always just wanted to be a rapper. 
It wasn't until 11th grade when Star, Kane Smago, and CJ, along with the rest of the Sacrificial Poets, came to my class and did a workshop about uh, spoken word. And they ended up liking what I did. And Star told me, like, yo, you need to keep writing. So I just did because somebody told me to. Like, that's all it took. Like, she was like, keep writing. I was like, okay. And then I kept going. And later on that year, I met Terry. And I ended up joining Breathe Inc. And it's like seven years later. Terry, for those listening, Terry is who we had on episode four? Was it three? Okay, on episode three. Um, so, yeah, I want to I say something a little bit about that. the rest of this history line when we talk about uh, Breathe Inc. So coming into Breathe Inc., you were there the first year. Yeah. First year Breathing was formed. And man, you worked your tail off every year. Like every year, it wasn't even a matter of, like we had workshops and you came to all of them. But like aside from that, outside of the workshops, you could just tell every time you came back, you were better. Um, like talk about that. I don't think I've ever asked you about that. Not because what's crazy is I won that Grand Slam. But Terry didn't put me in any poems <laughs> for, for, for Brave New Voices. It wasn't until the week before me and me and my teammate James Adams wrote a horrible backflip poem, but it was funny to us, so we went with it, and we ended up throwing it. And he finally put one of my indies in. But before that week of Karen Lyons, I didn't have any poems for Brave New Voices. I was going to go. And I guess I got a chip on my shoulder because it's like dog I won like I won the grand slam and you're telling me I'm not good enough and then when I got there I was like oh I'm not like <laughs> I'm not at all so like my whole thing is after that was like be better than the year before and I kept losing the grand slam to like people I all you know yeah yeah that you were better in. go ahead I felt say it not yeah, the third the year all right <laughs> I lost to Ray. I love Ray, but me and Timmy should not have lost to Ray. Um, the 2016 year, Evan, Evan and Nakira were better than me. We just going I'm gonna keep it a buck. They're way better. They were way better writers than me at that time. Um, but I always felt a chip on my shoulder, like I was better than what I was showing, not necessarily better than what I was told I was. Like, no, nah, I felt like I was giving a third place performance, so that's why I got third place. It wasn't like I felt like I was giving a first place performance and it gave me third. It was a different type of chip on my shoulder. So I just kept working and working until, like, nah, I want to be in the conversation. Um, And when I get to these, like, every time I got the Brave New Voices, there was somebody higher up to me being like, that was dope. Like, in Atlanta, like, Watsky was quoting us on stage. Like, that was important to me. Like, um... Who was a, somebody tweeted our poems like lines from our poems? Too. Uh, I think it was Rachel McKibbins. Yes, Rachel McKibbins was tweeting our lines like that was important to me. That was a dub to me. Like Ruby Francisco was watching our bout. That was a dub to me. Like so, like I kept. I just wanted to keep growing until like one day, like somebody is talking about me the way I was talking about them, and like I continue to grow into that level until I feel like people can watch my art and be like, oh, that's how you're supposed to write. That's how you're supposed to perform. I think, Answer. Yeah, I think that when we talk about like the student mentality, I think I think that sums it up because on one hand, you had somebody early on say, "Hey, you're good," and that motivated you to get better. 
but you also had somebody at some point saying, yeah, you're not good enough. Absolutely. And that still motivated you to get better and to learn. Right. Can I share a story with you? Okay. Oh, jeez. Oh, All right. This is also involves Terry. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, Terry might listen to this. Hi, Terry. So, <laughs> so listen, when, when, uh, one year after practice, it was before I was going to uh, IWIPS for the first time, before I was going to IWIPS DC 2015, I, was, uh, I wanted to run a poem by Terry. And I said, yo, I want to run this poem by you. I think it's ready, but I want to see what you think. <clears throat> he listened to it. And you know how Terry is, like, when he's listening to a poem, he's like, <laughs> like Terry, face. Terry face, right? So after I was done, he was like, I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was good. It wasn't bad. You know, I, maybe you could change this and blah, blah, blah. And I said, all right, well, I just want to go there and just do the best I can, you know, try to make final stage. And no lie, what he told me was, I mean, you're, listen, you're a great writer. You're, you're, you're probably one of the best writers in North Carolina. But, like, I wouldn't expect too much of the competition because, like, you don't, like, don't take this the wrong way, but you don't perform big enough. You're not, you're not big. You, you don't, you don't, you know, take, take up this moment, take up this time. And I went home and I, and I, you know, I thanked him and I never told him, like, I was, I was low-key pissed. But I didn't say anything, but, but I did internalize it. And I'm like, you know what? This has value. Like, Terry is a guy who knows what he's talking about. Absolutely. So... Where where tact may not have been there, <laughs> uh, the lesson was still there. Right. Uh, and I and I went and grabbed it. So so I feel like that's the same thing. That so can I tell the story? Then? Oh Lord, let's go. Oh, stories let's all. Go. If we're yes. telling stories about how Terry shits on your dreams. <laughs> oh, I got a bunch. If, if we're talking about a story how Terry shits on your hopes and dreams. Uh, so our first year of Slam Charlotte, Terry was like, you know, don't expect us to get too far into this competition. We'll be lucky. If Did we make, make it stage? we'll be lucky if we make semis. <laughs> so we made semis that first year, and then you know the next year we made final stage. <laughs> but Terry has this way of of motivating you, and I don't know if he knows as he's doing it. Like you know, you know you're all right, but <laughs> you know there's there's a lot of work that you could do. So don't expect much from yourself, and you will go home and be like, yo, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the best there is, and you you use it as fuel. So yeah, I'm not surprised at your story. Yeah, that that's that's pretty spot on for a, for a Terry Creech motivational. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> Terry Creech. Well, it's okay you to death. Like you be like, yeah, that's the one, and Terry be like, that was okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, he keeps you grounded. Like that he was will keep better. you grounded. Like yeah. for real, absolutely. And when you get it right, he's like, now nah, I need you to do that every time. I need you to do that three more times in a row. Right, like, right. And it, it, it definitely got me into a always perform mood. Like, learning to perform in front of an empty room, in front of people who have heard this poem every day, all summer, got me prepared to learn to adapt to emptier venues and quieter crowds and how to adapt to rocking those rooms the same to three people who's only paying attention in a giant bar, you know. So, thanks, Creech. <laughs> You're the best. Um, I feel like there's just a brief moment for us to talk about how smooth this Uncle Nearest is. God damn. <laughs> so uh, for anybody who's a fan of the Poet Up podcast, you know I start with beer and I end with a beer whiskey Poets finish. On topic. Uh, I mix the races, if you will. Boilermakers. Uh, touchy, touchy. Um, but this is great. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fuck with this. This is really, like, smooth. Yeah. Like... It says it's the smoothest whiskey in Tennessee, and here we are in North Carolina, and it's winning. <laughs> Jordan, I don't, I don't make whiskey. You should get in on this though. Like, 
<laughs> no. <laughs> Jordan, I got my drink of choice, and I'm sticking to it. Jordan's going to be ready to fight a nigga in a minute. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, he's definitely using that 20-something-year-old liver for <laughs> just, just pushing OT. the bounds. O-T, O-T. <laughs> so, uh, so, Jordan, so it sounds like Breathe Inc. was instrumental to your development. Would that be an accurate assessment? Absolutely. If it wasn't for Breathe Inc., I wouldn't have anywhere to learn from. Like, coming straight from being mad raw of at 16 years old, writing, knowing how to write, but not knowing the proper channels of, like, I don't know what performance is. I know how to make a metaphor, and I know how to make a bar, but, like, I don't know how to structure poems yet. I don't know... I don't know what, like, how to stretch a metaphor for a whole poem. I don't know certain terms. I don't know how to rock a room. I don't know how to <clears throat> add beats to my poems, you know? Like, every year, Breathe Inc., I learn how to level up a different way. And I continue to try to teach myself and learn as I go as an adult poet to try to level up and continue to be better and be greater than I am. So let's talk about that transition from Breathe Inc. to coming to the adult scene. Because, like, you're one of the only poets that I know that consistently, that did breathing and is now, like, in the Slam Charlotte scene. Um, how was that transition for you? So, I would not have done that transition if it wasn't for Jay Ward. It's the only nice thing I'm finished say by Jay Ward. I was about to say, we don't give Jay Ward props here. <laughs> right. But, like, I did an all-age slam, I think, my last year in breathing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I did okay in it. I made it to the last round. I did okay in it. But um, after that year, like, Jay was like, come to Slam Charlotte. Come to – Breeze was doing uh, the inkbot. He was like, come mm -hmm. to this. Come to – like, come out. Perform. Like, you like you are the one who can build the bridge for it. And I, and I wanted to do it because, like – for four years straight, poetry was my summer. Like, mm. especially with somebody with like depression, like that was something I had to look forward to. Like, I know like the whole summer I'm be working on poems, and then in July I'm going to Brave New Voices, and I get to go to another city I haven't been to, and like, I didn't know how that transition was gonna go for me because everybody at first everybody was saying I was gonna have to wait a year, and I was like I don't know if I can just wait a year or not slamming like or not performing you know yeah i don't know if i can do that and then i just kind of jumped in like my first slam i won and that was crazy millie and ashan was there and i was like starstruck <laughs> and like yeah and then after that it was like all right he grown like he here now so yeah so so i think more behind the scenes on that was that you were gonna have to wait three years because i think it used didn't slam charlotte used to be 21 Yes. It was 21. When when you came out at 18, the next gap was 21. And I think there was an all-age, right? You said, like you said, yeah. there was an all-age slam. And then after that, there was discussions. There's discussions behind the scene of, like, why the limit was 21, why it used to be 21, and whether that still had to be 21. Um, and a big part of our run in 2018 to the championship was because you were on a team. Huge part of that run. So I'm, I'm really glad that the, 
the age was brought down. And the reason it was 21 is because mm-hmm. you wouldn't have been able to get into some of the venues at Nationals. Right. And we we saw it. Like, we would see that firsthand 18-year-old, 19-year-old young poets couldn't get in. Like, even when they would tell them, they're on the team in the bar be like, nah, you're not shutting down my business because because you got this little poetry nigga right. trying to run through. So we we had a lot of discussion behind it because you were like, while you weren't the first young person we've had come through, you were the one that we were most adamant about trying to get on the squad to make sure that, you know, so we were like, all right, we got to, we got to be like, fuck it. <laughs> and I, I'm, and I'm all about, if anybody knows me, I'm all about finding the gray area, how, how much I can bend the rule. Right. And if it would have meant, Sneaking your ass in through or just pushing you through, just like, give them a fake ID. I mean, that's what I would. There was a, there was a <laughs> lot of there was a lot of things I'm not gonna say on this podcast <laughs> that I had ideas about for trying to get my fuckers addressed by some of the right, 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 right. Not necessarily because if Kira ever hears this shit, she'll be like, "Yo, you need to shut the fuck up." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there, that that was like the reason. Like you were the reason, and like Jay Ward said, um, a, a big part of the reason for the the uh, the win and the success uh, those couple of years was because you were on the squad. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah. All right, so enough of uh, blowing up Jordan's head. Fuck that shit. Nah. Fair um, enough. I don't know where I want to go. Can I go off the wall with something? Yeah. Go ahead, Michael Jackson. Oh, it's on topic. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's funny, funny for a lot of reasons. That's, that's, that's funny for a lot of reasons. Um, <laughs> oh man, and, and appropriate to the question I'm gonna ask. Oh Jesus. So so one of your posts recently, I just looked at it today, and there's like a thousand comments on it. <laughs> no, Jay, don't, no, Jay, don't be the one to ask me this. <laughs> Do it. Do it. <laughs> well, then you ask yourself because you All know right. where I'm going. He's, tell tell us what the post was. So the post <clears throat> verbatim said, "Sometimes when discussing colorism, <laughs> light skinned people sound like white people." <laughs> I want I wanted to be known that I did I like or heart react. I I, I think you liked it. Yeah, I, I like the I like the comment because I understand exactly what you're saying. But but tell us like the breadth, tell us what inspired that comment and then or that post and then tell us like the breadth, the breadth of of comments on this 1000 comment post. All right. So I reshare this obviously sarcastic post about light-skinned people don't get bullied. And this girl I went to high school with who didn't get bullied First and foremost, I'm putting that out there. <laughs> Camille did oh, not shit. get bullied at She's fired. We know you, Camille. Come on. You know who did you know what, but you know who, but take over on us. But let's keep that between me and you. Anyway, she had a whole conniption and said uh this is where i unfollow you i had a lot of information i got a lot of information but from your page but i think this is where we would have to agree to disagree and in my head while she's going on these rants i'm like dang she sounds like white people when they talking about racism (laughs) (laughs) so i was like dang (laughs) that's funny so i put it up (laughs) and just oh my god just light-skinned niggas just came for me oh boy i ain't know how to deal with it then i was just like i'm not having this emotional labor explaining to a bunch of like 
I'm don't I'm not about explaining your privilege. Nigga, you know you've got privilege. Like <laughs> like which 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 their comments prove your point. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, what? Right. <laughs> Every time somebody would say some white people shit, I would comment white people shit. And then they get more mad. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> he keeps saying the shit I was talking about. Yeah. Just... They would be like, I don't have privilege. I've had to work my ass off for everything I got. Somebody we said are... a light skinned person said that? Yeah. That's so stupid. Like do you not understand what privilege means? And that's the that was my whole point of y'all are using talking points that white people use. Yeah. And just saying human, y'all are saying we all black instead of we all humans. Like that's the same <laughs> shit. Yeah. White people. Right. And and, and I, I don't know. I guess white people and some light skinned people as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that was a Jay let me make, let me also emphasize person. this. I put sometimes. Because I know when you make a general generalization, people lose their shit right. and get right. upset. Right. So I specifically put sometimes. So if you commented, you felt some type of way, and a hit dog will bark. Pop. Right. <laughs> Absolutely, every dog. time. Bark. Let's go. Here's what here's what gets me about about white people and the people that are commenting on your post. Right, they act like saying that they have privilege. Is a direct attack on their character. No, it's got nothing to do with your character. Like everybody, everybody has privilege of some degree. Absolutely, right. right. So you, right. you can't you can't deny it. You can't deny that that exists. That's just stupid. Right. You think you're you think you're Jesus out here? Like <laughs> I've had to work for everything, man. Even Jesus had God as his daddy. That's a little privilege, <laughs> right, bro. Right. You're walking on water out there, but you know it, it's it's funny because. Most of the time when we make a comment or put up a post, people react to their feelings and not the facts of what you said. Right. You said Absolutely. sometimes light-skinned people sound like whites, light, like sound like white people when we're talking about race. Literally, people were like, that's not true. <laughs> I got friends who are black. That's, that's all right, that's right. <laughs> That's exactly something I'm like, what the fuck? Did you read my first part of the statement? That's not true. I, like, reverse colorism was said a bunch uh, of times. Reverse colorism. <laughs> reverse reverse colorism. colorism. Listen, listen and, I, and I will say this as a light-skinned person. Uh, just because people tell jokes where light-skinned where light skin is the butt of the joke does not mean you are bullied. And it certainly doesn't, it doesn't take away the privilege that you have. Like, for, for every one light-skinned joke I've heard f directed at me, Sorry about those, by the way. I mean, whatever. Like, <laughs> whatever. Like, that's however many I've heard towards me. Right. Is nothing in the op is nothing compared to the opposite direction. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Because uh, because white people ain't gonna make light skin jokes. White people make black jokes. That's exactly. it. That's it. Straight so, up. So like, I don't know. It's pointless to me. It's dumb. To, yeah. to defend it, I mean, like to not understand you have privilege. Like, let's get into this because we were, we were gonna have this uh, we were gonna have this podcast like this one off about mm -hmm. about our experiences with cops, mm -hmm. right? And our, our our experiences with um, the police. And this is what I was gonna say during that podcast. I personally have not had uh, a bad interaction with the police, right? Um, I've had I've had police that have that said or done I'm things that were dicks. a little shady. Yeah, being dicks. But I haven't had a a bad experience with the cops. I also understand the difference between myself and other people who have had bad experiences. Um, 
to deny that that is a thing, to deny that that exists is stupid. Right. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. But um, so many people do, though. And yeah. they do because, well, okay, I, I guess I can't generalize like that. I think people do that because as humans, we're so self-absorbed that if it doesn't happen to me, or anybody I exist. immediately right. know, then it doesn't happen. Right. And, and let me follow that up. I, I know many, many people who I grew up with, went to school with, went to college with, uh, and even when I was uh, living in like the Maryland, D.C. area for 13 years. I know many, many of my friends who have had um, run-ins with the police that were not positive at all, which is why I can look at my experiences and say, him being a dick to me is him being a dick to me, but it's not, it's not what other people are, are experiencing right now. Right. right. And so I guess if we take take note and a uh, stock of our emotions and all that, uh, as the older men at this table, um, I don't know if we were taught properly how to process all of that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, how those feelings go. But Jordan, you have a poem that's called Black Boy Rage. Can you speak a little bit to the process of that poem and where it comes in terms of I guess your age, your generation, and, and your experiences up until the point where you're like on stage spitting that poem. Um, yeah, so I have two versions of that poem. One version is just kind of about this Karen who was wearing a Black Boy Joy shirt at the airport, and I was mad. It pissed me off. So, like, yeah, I'm angry. And, like, in writing the poem, it was just at first, it was just a funny poem about me being angry and me being the angry black man stereotype. But then, like... When I went and I revisited, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with me being angry. Right. Like, there's nothing wrong with me feeling. And so the whole poem just became like, yo, I'm. it's okay for me to feel. And this is why I feel this way. This is all the things I deal with. Like, I'm going to end up either dead in the street, maybe even dead by my own hands because I can't feel like I can verbalize how I feel sometimes as a black man with bipolar depression. Then, like everything else the rest of the traumas that the world is going to throw at me like i'm angry and i want to be angry and i don't want to be calmed down i want to be angry and i want to embrace how i feel and that's all i say in that poem and with the phrase black boy rages i'm absorbing everything how i feel and i'm embracing it for once like and i don't care how it makes y'all feel i'm going to embrace the rage i'm going to embrace everything how i feel and i'm gonna let y'all have it because like Especially with that poem. That poem is the only time where I can feel like I can be angry and people are going to be okay with it. Like, any other time I'm angry, people are going to be like, whoa, calm down. Like, I, don't tell me to calm down. Like, if I feel this way, I feel this way. The end. It's like when Dr. Banner turned to a group and said, I'm always angry. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just hulks the fuck out. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I feel like that's us a lot of the times. You know what I'm saying? Like, dog, we're always angry. You know yeah. what I'm saying? What Baldwin said, we're in a constant state of rage. Mm -hmm. yep, to be uh, black right. So I, I I what I love about it is that you were you were able to articulate that into poems that I don't like I think we all have gone there, but I don't I can't remember a time I've been on stage and said, I'm an angry black man. Like in terms of just slam. I've been in I've been in a room with the choir and said that, but it wasn't necessarily a poem as much as I'm saying I'm I'm mad like y'all are mad, and it it it's different to hear it from a generation uh, ahead of us, or I mean, under behind us, to to articulate that. So I think uh, 
That's super important. So when we talk about um, bringing up voices and new voices, um, what do you see as important for the generation behind you? Like, what do you think their message should be? And, you know, um, what would be some, I guess, advice for those who, who are trying to process their, their age? Um, so I don't really, my, all of my processes for processing how I feel is, can be described as unhealthy. Mm. So, (laughs) um, um, really you just, you have to let people be themselves and you have to create safe spaces for people to be them. Like not everybody processes grief the same way or anger the same way or sadness the same way so when you see especially black men like feeling these type of things and you see them handling grief or handling depression in a way that doesn't seem right to you it's their way if you can find a healthy alternative to where they still process it the same then that's where i feel like you should jump in but if not you you have to let somebody be themselves and you have to you have to make safe spaces for young kids to want to talk about it cuz things are so taboo that shouldn't be taboo anymore like in 2020 why is like depression still a scary word why is um why is gender still a scary word why is sexuality still a scary word for teenagers to be able to talk about with adults with grown folks so we have to make safe spaces especially in the black community where these things can be just talked about where these kids just feel safe and secure to be themselves and be able to talk about these things well i was gonna say uh i guess when we're talking about safe spaces and we're talking about how to feel safe in each of these spaces can you <laughs> can I get messy? Sure. I'm get messy a little yeah. bit. Why not? No Yay. blues. As messy. <laughs> can you talk about how your experience in B and V differs from your experience in the adult slam world? Um, oh, I can sum that up quickly. Um, so B and V is feelings first, and then adult slam is fuck you feelings. So, like, <laughs> and you're not talking about the poems, you're talking about the culture. The culture, yeah, yes. Right. Not <laughs> somewhat the poems, but I'm not gonna get into that. Yeah. The culture itself is feelings first, and then fuck your feelings. Like, I remember being at Southern Fried and hearing a story about a certain poet ripping the gender neutral signs off of bathrooms. And that pissed me off. Like, not at that Southern Fraud, but I remember hearing somebody say, like, yeah, I was... Yeah. I never heard this story. I haven't heard this story. I haven't heard this story. I just want to throw that like in a there. tribunal of accusation. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear this. I didn't hear this. I didn't hear this. I heard it. <laughs> we're, I, not, we're not saying it's not true. We're just saying we all heard it. I believe Jordan. I believe Jordan. I don't, a, I don't care what I'm, name comes out of his mouth. I believe Jordan. You'd oh, be I'm like, it was name. you, Blues. I'm like, I'm not going right, to say the name, accurate. but it's a, y'all, y'all know who it is, and it's a messy ass person. I'll just say that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that whittles my list down to like three people. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. The messiest. Two people. <laughs> Not Breeze. Well, it's on top of well, one person. Then we know who it is. <laughs> we, know, we know exactly who it is. <laughs> well, so, yeah, 
and I was just like, yo, and y'all wonder why like the the transition don't come from like a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like y'all asking me to like bring in like my friends who are like some of the best poets in the world and I'm like bring your friends to this pyramid scheme (laughs) (laughs) you're like no nigga (laughs) yeah like no like this is not a safe space and I think it's because adults have such a hard time accommodating other people's like boundaries like y'all want me to bring my friends into this but like if we being honest my friends abusers are allowed in these spaces like Mm. (laughs) you want me to bring them like Nigga, I'm going to ask, but they're going to say no, and I understand. Like, the fuck? Like, so no. Like, the adult the adult slam scene is... And when I say it's toxic, it's, it's a small group that nobody wants to address. Because don't nobody want to step on toes. It's when we... And I think that's because nobody understands that when we address the toxicity, it's not about your talent, it's not about your art. We're putting that to the side. Let's address you as a human and the choices you make and who you are and what we as a culture want to allow. Look at Jordan dropping gems. I've been on this time for a minute. I I want to backtrack on what you said before. You said that some of your ways of dealing with things are... Well, you said all of your ways of dealing with things are destructive. And they're not all destructive. They can be viewed as... They can be viewed as except you giving voice to these things. Absolutely. Because actually, as, as we were talking, I was running these poems in my head. So as a young black man, and this is, this is, this is something you don't see from, from older black men, but as a young black man, you, you have a poem about depression. Well, you have more than one poem about depression. You have poems about sexuality. Uh, you have poems about family relationships that can get very intricate, right? When you have family members that are... Um, that are toxic or that are doing things that they shouldn't be doing and, and, and the position that that puts you in. You also have a poem, which probably addresses the last thing we were talking about. You have a poem, uh, All Your Favorite Poets Are Trash, right? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how important is it for you to give voice to these things that other people would either see as taboo or would see as, oh, that's not going to score well, so I'm not going to write that? Like, How important is it for you to write that poem regardless of what the score may be? Or... Do you also say, I can write that poem and get the score? I can write that poem and get the score. Because, like, it's not only, it's like, when certain poets do it, they want to do it just to write the poem. But they're like, if I just write this poem, it's not going to go well. And being around y'all and being in Slam Charlotte, when I brought that idea, I think I brought it to you first. You were like, okay, this is what it needs to be in order to score well. And we were already on the same page. Like, I'm going to address my own toxicity first, but I have to address every toxicity that already exists in this community and bring it back to, like, and this is why the next generation comes up just as messed up as y'all, because we all on the same time. Like, you, especially, that poem really was reminded of, what year was DC? BV. Uh, that was the second year we went, right? No, that was the third year we went. Yeah. So that'd be 2018? Yeah. It was the year 16. before Corona. Oh, right. We started uh, earlier yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. 16. So that year we saw a lot of bleeding yourself dry on stage from every everywhere. And I realized that because that was the law of the land at that time in the poetry community, period. And you had a lot of poets coaching teams 
in the style that wins in adult slams, not realizing these kids are 17, 18 years old. They still adjusted to how they feel. Like, and you want them to, like, bleed themselves dry like grown folks. And, like, a lot of kids can't handle that. And nobody's thinking about that. So the whole poem was like, yo, y'all wonder why the young people come up and we got to take 10-minute breaks after we do poems that were emotionally draining. It's because we've been emotionally draining ourselves in BMV because this is how y'all taught us. Like, this is what we see works like when we emotionally bleed ourselves dry and like y'all wonder why people do this is because we wa- we learn from watching y'all. So that's that old you, you remember that commercial blues? I learned it from watching you. <laughs> 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 um yo there there is there is a uh, there is a huge gap. Like going to B and V, and this is just agreeing with what, what Jordan just said, going to B and V there was like a huge class for about three years of poets coming out of B&V who could not be touched. And after, it was after that year. You're right, because in 2015, Stephen Valentine, uh, not Stephen Valentine, Stephen Willis, Willis, Crystal Valentine, and, uh, and Tony McPherson uh, were on final stage at, at IWIPS. But you didn't see them slam that much <laughs> in general after that. And a lot, a lot of BNV kids after 2015 who were phenomenal didn't make that transition. Um, I, I'm going to say something, and then you tell me all the reasons why you think I'm wrong or add on to the reason I'm about to say. But I feel like it was so emotionally taxing that if this is what slam is, I'm gonna take my talent somewhere else. Absolutely. I'm gonna use my craft in a different way. I feel like I feel like kids were doing that. Absolutely, yeah. Like, yo, like I bled myself as a teen. You telling me niggas do this for the rest of their life? Like niggas do this for <laughs> 20 <laughs> more years? No, like I'm taking a break. Like, yo, there's so many people. There's so many people like, yo, I got to iWeb, so I'm like, such and such kill this bout. Just thinking about it. I think we was talking about golden, like oh golden. Oh is, yeah. Golden kills every bout. Every bout. Like, just like people who I grew up with at BMV watching them be superstars. And it's like, from my age group, my class, the only two people that came like really into Slam before me was Mecca and Grimm. And that's because just the culture of that city is they felt safe. They felt safe in that Baltimore system. So, like, all those kids. In certain cities, oh, I don't want to be too messy and say the city, but before you get messy, I'll stop you from being messy. Yeah, well, I was I was listening to a song that you recorded uh, right before this session, and you said something about you and Mecca. And as we were talking, I realized, yo, you're right. It's you and Mecca. Like from that from that class, after that class, not a lot of people from BNV made the transition into Adult Slam, and the ones that did, while they're good. Like you and Mecca are kind of running that show as far as kids making the transition from BMV into the adult scene, and and you and Mecca are really super hard to touch right now. Yeah, I think me and Mecca, because we started right after when we jumped in, we was already like on grown folks level. There wasn't much of a transition. At least I noticed that in Mecca, but Mecca was doing all was on every final stage in twenty sixteen. Um, Southern Fried Nationals and BNV, and I'm pretty sure she won all of them. Like, like so, yeah, she was on every final stage, 18, 19 years old. Like, I came in, I 
sat in the back and watched and just absorbed and so I can just sneak in and fit in and feel like I already belong. I don't have too much to adjust to how the system works. I can just sit and be me. Um, a lot of the, I don't know, the BMV style of poetry, a lot of people feel like it doesn't work in adult slam, so they feel like they have to change their style as soon as they become an adult. And it's like, you don't, because if we're being honest, the adults are watching BMV. That's when they learn what the new style is and how to put that into the adult machine. They just, if we're being honest, and I think that's where the disconnect comes in, like, they watching you too. Like, you ain't just the only ones learning. They learning too from watching you, whether they want to say it or not. And they don't want to say it. At all, ever. Oh, my God. You niggas is sick. Y'all just be... Mm, never mind. Don't attack me, Jordan. <laughs> no, nah, nah, I'm fucking with you. Don't don't hold back. Yeah. <laughs> this is a podcast of saying shit, real shit. And we just blame it on the alcohol. And we blame it on the alcohol. Absolutely. I like it. I, I'll just say, besides the three niggas who won our whips, Mecca run this slam shit. Like, hands down. No debating. That was politically can, correct. <laughs> can I say that every time... Because <laughs> y'all technically run this slam shit. <laughs> but like Mecca, like, Mecca is not only in slam, teaching the next generation of slam, and then, like, branding herself outside of slam on major levels, you know, BuzzFeed, TikTok, like... Voiceovers. Like, the voiceovers, like, on major levels. Like, and she's number one at all that shit, and still can come in and beat niggas who've been doing this 10 years straight, like, at a high, like, she's, everything she does is high level, and, like, that's shit niggas who've been doing this 20 years plus still can't do. Okay, controversial question. (laughs) Controversial question. Oh, <laughs> they're like <laughs> niggas feel like they got hit. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel hit. Nah, Jay don't. Feel <laughs> that was petty. Well, I don't I'm feel hit. I want. I want. I want. So he, he ain't talking about me. <laughs> I just. I just want to say. I just want to say. Every time you say Mecca, I think of Mecca. Poets off topic. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. There was a Mecca here in in DC who's married to 2020. Yeah, who's, who's in Brooklyn always, now. Yeah. And and Mecca, by the way, yes, one of the dopest. Dope, I, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this is Mecca Morphosis, yeah. out of Baltimore, aka and we all, Muck Muck. <laughs> and I think everybody just called her Mecca for short, and then it just stuck as Mecca. But her performance name is Mecca Morphosis. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, the first like two or three times when we recorded, I was like, you know, Mecca, because <laughs> they moved. Yeah, before, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, here, here's my question. Oh jeez. As as a young spitter in the game, who has probably talked to other young spitters in the game? <laughs> what do you think, sir? I'm gonna put you on the hot seat because this question involves me, really. What do you think? Do you think there's a cutoff for how long somebody should be in the game or how old they should be in the game? Should they step aside? Should they let other people go? Should they not perform with poems that are more than two or three years old? Like. Oh, Let us t- t- talk to us. That applies to me too, because I perform Talk poems to us, that young are... young bull. Okay, so <laughs> that is a pretty controversial <laughs> question. Um, me personally, I feel like 
as long as you can do it, do it. Like, but if your heart ain't into it, meaning if you're not pushing your pen, if you're not still learning, if you're not still like becoming better than like you I might can use... hear you starting to get politically correct. Let me rephrase oh. the question. <laughs> oh, you want me to be yeah. petty? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, I want you no, I That's... want you to be you. I mean, like just yeah, be I... real, son. Like what do you think? Like you go to you go to a competition and you see older people there or you pe- you see people there that's been in the game 10 plus years. Like do you think, "Hey, make a way for these young voices?" Or do you think, "Hey, if they can't be beat, they can't be beat?" Like where are you at? It's not even the ones who can't be beat that can't be beat. If you just can't be beat, then, like, you can't be beat. Goldberg was undefeated for, like, three years, bro. It's not his fault. Like, you that nigga, you that nigga. wrestling on this. <laughs> everything is wrestling. In life, everything is wrestling. Poetry, battle rap, it's all wrestling. But if a nigga can't be beat, he just can't be beat. My problem is the ones who take up space who can be beat and has been getting beat with the same poem for 10 years, mm. then it's like, all right, bro, what are you, what else are you doing? Like, now, are you just here to hold space or are you like, a, I don't want to call nobody a stepping stone, but it's like, what do you, like, what, like, cause you, go ahead. Those are the ones with the egos. Like, the, <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. And I think I know exactly what you're saying. Counterpoint or maybe devil's advocate. Um, then does it become does it become a matter of policing the space? Does it become a matter of of um, preference? Like if this is if if this is where they feel that's their community, even though they know, like I go here and I'm a legend and I also place middle of the pack every time, is it a matter of, hey, but this is the only place where I feel community and why shouldn't I be allowed to be here? So like there's a way to be a part of the community without taking space. There's there's a balance in that. Uh, there are poets who are legends of the slam community who don't slam, who are still legends, who can still walk in the room and get love, but barely slam. If they slam, it's somebody who basically bullied them for years be like yo we need you back on the mic da, 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 da. we're doing this slam I need you back it's like alright I'll finally do it but like there's people who was like that's not their thing of the community of it is not why they're doing it so let's take this to a wrestling analogy I bet so you have jobbers right and you absolutely have, and you have you have people whose sole job is to to come and you know kind of provide that that I don't want to say filler space but they provide that that intermediate space in between the main matchups that you want to see of the legends and the newcomers or whatever. Absolutely. Um, so do you apply that there too? Like, is there, is there a place? I feel like, I feel like, uh, the poetry community is a community that prides itself on trying to make space for everybody. So is there space then too for, for a person who maybe doesn't have a shot of winning and even, even to their own thinking, but, I want to be here, and I want to be here with these people, and I want to spit these new poems that I have. Absolutely. There is a space. I'm not saying these people shouldn't slam, but, like, when you're at a certain level in your career, a certain tenure as a veteran, quote, unquote, like, you need to be figuring out what's your next step. Are you going to teach poetry now? Are you going to help usher in? Or are you going to continue to hold space until... Like, until you finally hang it up, like, yeah, 
what is your what is your next steps to help elevate the community? If you're not here to elevate the community, then like you gotta reevaluate. Yeah. I'm not gonna challenge your answer. And I'm not going to disagree 100% with your answer, but I do want to come back in 10 years and ask you again. <laughs> oh, man. Hopefully, I'm at Issa Rae Yacht Party. In, so we lit. In 10 years, uh, Jordan's going to be drinking Uncle Nearest or Elijah Craig. And he's definitely going to be drinking beer. No. And he better <laughs> drink some Crown because it was bought specifically... Because he said he drinks Crown. Don't make and that him put, shit has not been cracked. Don't make him put that Crown on top of that for a local. Oh, man. yeah, that's a good I, point. Nah. Okay. You don't have to drink it. I just see like 100 blocks dying of crack cocaine. Every time I look at a, <laughs> uh, a can of for loco. <laughs> I empty my cup for the crowd and Blues is pushing it away from me. <laughs> let's let's talk about you talked about battle rap. Let's talk about battle rap and I just want to rap Wednesdays. Talk about people swagger jacking. I want to rap Wednesdays and talk about your favorite ooh, ooh, recent that's battle. Real. Rap. That's real. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. We don't have a um, soundboard, but Blues comes through. Um, I thought he was drunk. <laughs> Frederick S. Eberhardt. Uh, Douglas Powell, <laughs> Stephen Anthony Willis. <laughs> you niggas don't never rap, and now y'all all want to rap on Wednesday, and y'all didn't even use the hashtag. You fake. I'm coming after you, Tori. <laughs> Tori and you too. I'm coming oh, after. Nah, but um, yeah. Um, my favorite battle that I watched recently, um, B Dot and Saga just battled on the roof like a few weeks ago. And it was a comedic science. It was another comedic scientist versus a Christian battle, so it was kind of like a, a thought-provoking battle of back and forth. And the, the Christian won. And oh my God, he he had this scheme about how B dot didn't start believing in comedic scientists until he dropped out of school because his grades weren't good enough, and he lost his football scholarship. <laughs> so he was like. You talk about slaves in the field because you can't be in the field. You went from trying to be Emmett Smith to preaching Emmett Till. Like, oh. like <laughs> that's a bar. <laughs> yeah, like, like it was a really good battle. Um, Mike P had a really good second round against Danny Myers about drug addiction. That was real. Oh my, it was really good. Just talking, he the way he broke down all the Danny Myers slogans into about how Danny Meyer neglects his wife, who's an addict. And it only worked for Mike P because Mike P was a former addict himself. So it's not downing his wife for being a drug drug addict. It's downing you, the man, for not being there for this woman who's a drug addict. Mm. And he used all the Danny Meyer slogans to like tie it together. Like Danny Meyer calls himself the bar god. So he's like, you a deadbeat to your sad queen. She on heroin with the hard nod. Or do she take pills to reach a higher level? Is she a bar god? Like, like wow. Like, my, like, he really leveled up with that shit. Like, so yeah, that's really been helping me rap, rap better, like watching battles, like punches wise. I feel like it probably helps you write poems better too, as far as punches. Absolutely. Like, especially rounds like that, like, they show you how to craft an entire round. That's all battle rap is, is niggas writing poems about each other. <laughs> three rounds straight. That's, but it's about the setup. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot about the setup. Absolutely. Which I think you can apply in how you write your poems, too. Like the setup for where you're going to get where you're going. Absolutely. Especially, like, certain angles. 
like I've seen battle rappers do the same angle for three rounds straight, like stretch one angle for three rounds, but take that angle and take it three different ways, which is basically like taking one poem topic or one poem like concept and stretching it to three different poems. Like, yeah. So like that really helps with writing poems. Y'all remember when uh, they used to battle rap with beats? You talking about 106 and Friday? No, I mean, not 106 Friday. Parks, 106 and Park <laughs> on Freestyle that four loco Friday. Is hitting. That four lo- that four lo- that's- let's get them to rapping right now. <laughs> <laughs> that four loco in that age here real fast. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, 106 and Park Freestyle Friday. Blonde yes, Fury. No. <laughs> that's not Fury. what I'm talking about. Oh my god. Oh yeah, I remember that guy. But I was just talking in general cuz like there used to be Fat Tuesdays in Noda. Um, I didn't know about Noda until it was gentrified already. Oh, well, this is when Noda was still blackety black. black. Oh, dang. You black. were probably eight. Yeah, you were pretty. Yeah. yeah, you were You were a kid. You were probably like, where's my Tonka truck? <laughs> but yeah, we used to. I did one of oh, it's those. What's on topic? Uh, battles at uh, Fat Tuesdays. And I got washed. Oof. It was it was really bad. It was it was really, really There's such bad. a deep sincerity in your eyes right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it sounded like it was worse than what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> you okay, bro? It's like you're leaving <laughs> something out. No, I'm not. <laughs> I never did tell my mama what she said. <laughs> right. Like I got washed by a white dude that couldn't rap. Oh no. Oh. So you you're talking about the day your dreams died. <laughs> <laughs> you know when it's, when it's on beat They just don't stop talking That's all it is I've noticed with certain right rappers on beat They just don't stop like, even, if it, fact, even if there's no rhyme They yeah. just keep going I got yeah. As a matter of fact DJ DR Cut me off Because the crowd was like This nigga sucks And DJ DR was looking He was looking for records You got so, Malibu's Most Wanted yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> yes. Oh man. No cap. I'm fighting every nigga in there. If I was me. Yes. I'm fighting my way out the door. Like. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> you should just be like, "Who's black in here?" Notice that this man did not have his hands up. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Eight mile. Oh, this oh was shit. Before eight mile though. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So. That was just my tangent for the story. Uh, So we got to, I just want to wrap. You were in, uh, is this like, what? do you have a name for this place? Like Mall Studios or Callum Productions? I don't. You should. You should name this place, uh, given that you do a podcast out of here and you just recorded some Jordan raps. Yes, sir. And uh, they are fire. Fire uh, out of this out of this out of this spot. So Jordan, when can we expect this new music that you just recorded to drop? I have no clue, dog. That's I'm what just I'm about. <laughs> that is that is the definition of your generation. <laughs> we made a bunch of shit. When's it coming out? No clue. No clue. <laughs> no clue. Like, to be honest, I recorded just a couple of, a few of the already posted, I just want to raps that I thought it was dope. And then and they were. I, I just had this song already prepared. So, it's dope. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back in there, tweak that a little bit. Yep. 
and uh, get that mixed and I don't know. I might do a release for what's the next? Not Fourth of July because that's not a real holiday. What's the next <laughs> real holiday? Like Labor Day? Labor Day? Labor Day? We're gonna wait all the way to nah, right. nigga. Just drop it. Just drop just it drop on it. a random just day. <laughs> I just yeah, I'll just drop it and do what's a virtual it? release, man. Be like, be like Slim from One Twelve or Nelly, and like just just play it over your over your Facebook and and just be like jam into your own stuff like that. I will actually do don't, that. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. I'll go live for a whole day, just playing that twenty four hours straight. No, play a snippet. I will. Like, and I'm definitely. Um, I got some people who do visuals, so I'm definitely want to like do a visual album for the I just want to raps like do like videos for them. So that'll be dope. I still think you should do them from the car though. Like that's when you when you be in the car, I feel like that's the mood and the set and the scene. Like when we see that, be like, oh shit. Oh yeah. It is rap. What you could do, I mean you I feel like you should start including Barker Lewis (laughs) in some of your shots. He don't know how to sit still, bro. That's that's why we get along so well. We both got social anxiety. We both depressed sometimes. Like he just be all over the place. No, sometimes. get your production manager up and have it flash between video of you rapping at behind the wheel and video of Barker Lewis behind the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> that would be adorable. Just throw niggas for a curve. Uh, what else we got for Young Jordan? Um, I think... Is it time? It's almost time. It so, time? two questions. First question. Is there anything that you want to promote and tell people where they can follow you and all that good stuff? Follow me on Instagram at Jordan with the poems, D-A. Follow me. Like all my shit. Uh, This summer, all summer, I'm rapping over Steven Universe Beats. Um, I didn't do one this week because depression got me bad, y'all. But before I get on this plane to go to Colorado, I am going to record... Uh, I just want to rap over some cowboy shit, so it's gonna be lit. Follow me. Oh, hold on! Before he jumps into the second question, you flying to Colorado and all this COVID business, bro? What's going on? <laughs> oh, yeah, what's, what's the reason behind this? Why trip, are you sir? going? Why are you going yeah, to Colorado? Going to go? yeah. Colorado's very specific. Where you That's going? a very specific state to go Y'all to. Y'all know my baby in Colorado. Ah, <laughs> shit! <laughs> Can't no COVID keep me away from my baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she she came down to visit me right before shit got bad, bad, like in April. Like she okay. came to visit me, so um. Yeah, uh, she wanted me to fly me out. So, oh, you about to get flew out, out, son? Yeah. <laughs> I know you ain't talking. <laughs> yeah, Jay Ward. Jay Ward, sit this shit Shut out. It. Jay Ward, <laughs> sit <laughs> this shit out. Ain't nobody talking to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. Tell people where they can get the Black Boy Rage t shirts. I still don't have a website set up. I gotta get that done soon. Just Drunk DM of his me. car. <laughs> Literally, just DM me. I got all sizes. I'm finna get mass popping. It's finna be lit. Like, just DM me. Like, we got y'all. Like, Bad. it's finna be lit, lit. Like, and uh, the last question is: Are you ready to freestyle? God no, I'm horrible at freestyling. But we gonna do it. Hey, can I get some of this? For yeah. You? Holy I'm gonna shit. try it. I'm gonna try it and just see Holy see what happens. Jay. I feel like I might just transform into <laughs> lyrical miracle Wait. spiritual in your swimming pool. Wait a minute. 
Oh my God! Chill. <laughs> oh God. Okay. So I just poured a shot of for a look. No, you poured two, two shots. shots. It looks like it's got gamma rays in it, man. I <laughs> did the shade. It looks so Marvel fucking comic book. Like you nah, drink that shit. Blues capping, but I have blues in San Diego off this, and he was having a great time. <laughs> he doesn't remember. First of all, I don't think it was quite the four loco that I'm seeing right now. No, it wasn't the green one. We had the strawberry one, and you uh, that's was, a, that's a whole different story. We was lit. We I were went to lit. sleep. I said some wild things about a certain white poet that I won't <laughs> repeat, but we was lit. <laughs> so I have to say this for contractual reasons. Was it CB? Oh, it's off topic. Why every time we mention a white guy, you just that's his go to. That's his go to. That's his go to. That's your one. <laughs> no, it was Shout not. Shout out to CB. It was my guy CB. Rocky Marciano. Shouts to, <laughs> to CB. Mama called him Cassius. I'm going to call him Cassius. <laughs> if it was CB, it would be even wilder. But <laughs> it would be. It really would. This is not the space. This is not the space. I really want to tell a CB story, though. I really want to tell a CB story. Wait. Just wait till we'll bring CB on and you can tell it to his face. Ah, okay. <laughs> it's that good of a story, I feel like, because he does not want to fucking wait to tell it. Okay, well, no, I'll wait. I'll go. wait. Let's get CB on the show. All right, CB's up next. That's that's actually a good story to have, too. Um, so what are we doing? we freestyling? Yeah, it's freestyle time. So what is the beat? Who made this particular beat? Uh, Timmy probably made the beat. Timmy? Also, Bessie... That's the best rap name ever created to me, probably. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> my, my, so I'm old enough to where my hip hop mind works and then my adult mind works, right? So I put my hip hop mind aside and my adult mind was like, Timmy probably made it. So you should play the beat that Timmy made because he doesn't know which beat you're going to play. No, no, that kid's name is Timmy probably. Oh, my fault. <laughs> yeah, shout out, follow Timmy probably as well. <laughs> Uh, go listen to his last project, Ultrasaw. He got a joint on there called Let Ice Freeze. That shit knocks. Uh, yeah, Timmy probably made the beat. It's called Catfish Voodoo because I said that shit one time and he was like, yeah. All right, shit. Let's run it. Ah. Mm, ah. I hear the beat. So once again, it's a freestyle portion of what we're doing. I'm trying to wait till like, the beat drops in. This feels like a long ass intro okay yeah it's freestyle i'm guaranteed yo i'm about to go like eight mile put your hands up that's only if you black i remember the day way back to the way back hey no slack never had a perm you know this part where i talk about jamal smoke sherm yeah <laughs> it's fucking crazy it's fucking crazy yeah but lyrically, I'm skilled enough individual to pull out this shit, man. I'm not something else. I don't know. Never had no Four loco, but I'm flowing like I have Four loco. I'm just passing shit off to Jay Ward. Here you go. Uh. <laughs> yo. Yo. I can't lie. I'm faded off that Four loco. Going with the flow, this shit for Kia and Coco. Oh no, we about to do this all night. Yeah, and I got the mic and rock it right. Yeah, 
You know I make it so easy, make it so greasy. Me and Jordan and Blues and Jamal and Jordan Bay Weezy. We about to do it, blow the whistle. Cutting through the gristle, blowing like a missile. Cutting through the weeds with the bullet knife like it's just thistle. Whoever used thistle in the rhyme, it's just me. The way I do it all the time, and I keep rapping on the beat. And I just say it just sweet, and I just rap concrete. Generation all day, this is what they all say. When they talk about Jay, then what they gon' say? They gon' say he get hype, they gon' say he get crunk. They gon' say he got it like this every day, or the mud. Every day, or the mud. Alright, yo. Um, it's Jordan Bailey, aka uh, Young Static, aka I Just Wanna Rap, aka YJB. On my model days, y'all already know what's going on. I have no idea what I'm about to say. Alright, all raps, I guess. Uh, I hear the conversations about talent. Which one of mine is greater? He should stick to the poems. He can really make bangers. New girl is journey small at nights. I don't argue with haters. Y'all can talk all you want. Shit, I'm good with the great debaters and beta readers. Lama reader sippers and new adidas. Falling for the worst guys in love with childish features. No liar. I be spitting grenadier. You just papaya. What I'm talking is passion. These are fruits of my labors. Fruits to change ups. Drew Saudi say I'm living my lonely. My other dream. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> I'm about to freestyle now. I say, yo, uh, it's Young Static, flow on Yeehaw, Grandpa Swag, probably pull your Meemaw, uh, <laughs> I'm balanced like a seesaw, uh, try to keep the balance, um, no malice, but I keep the clips for niggas, if they want static, you get it, um, they'll be saying that I'm acting different, I'm going to Colorado for some mattress kisses, Used to follow for niggas who bragging about they watches, but they paddock ticket. That's bad decisions, nigga. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. My headphones was too loud. All right, here we go. I be busting that niggas who be acting like fuck. Okay, hold on, hold on. I'm going back. I'm going back. They say slavery was a choice. Niggas is fuck. I'm trying. I'm trying to say nigger less. All right, I got one. I got one more. I got one more. Even if you chop, God, fuck. Okay, I quit. Okay. Well, well, boys and girls. That was me freestyling. Pull it up, pull it up.